Good evening. It is so good to see you guys tonight. I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord with you. If you have Facebook, go ahead and jump on there real quick and check in. If you're online, please share the video so more people can be reached by Jesus. Let's worship the Lord together. Amen.
deserve all of our worship, all of our praise. Are you ready to pour out your alabaster box on Jesus? Are you ready to give him all of your worship? He is asking for all. And that's a lot to ask for, but it's not to him because he gave it all. So, Father, we pour all of our worship out on you, God. We give you everything that we have. Knowing that you break down walls when we worship. Knowing that walls fall down when we shout, Jesus. God, I pray that we would be bold in our worship, Lord, pouring out everything inside of us, everything that we have. Have your way with us in our worship. God, show us how to worship. Teach us how you want to be worshiped, Lord.
Lord, we love you. Father, I just, I pray that we would worship you with all that we have, with our whole hearts, God. You alone are worthy of our praise. You alone are worthy of our honor. God, I pray just as the 24 elders are even now bowing down, casting their crowns of gold to you, Lord. I pray that we have that same attitude of our lives, God, that we would pass everything over to you that anything that could be of such high importance as a crown, Lord, that we still throw it at your feet, knowing that you are the only one worthy of our time. You are the only one worthy of our worship. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us if we have put something or someone in a place of authority that is only yours. We love you. on us, God. Send your spirit here, Lord, just as you descended as a dove, God. I pray that we would be able to feel you in that same manner as you came to Jesus, knowing that you want the same thing for us because we are your sons and daughters too. Fill us to overflowing. have you guys here with us tonight. If you're new and you want to grab a connect card off the back table, that would be amazing. Just fill it out and put it in the offering bucket. Go around and greet some of your family of faith this evening.
Hi, everybody. Hi, Jenny. All right, let's get ready for our tithe and offering tonight. So if you have, uh, have something to give, you may get that ready. If you need an offering envelope, wave your hand around. Jenny needs one. Come on and find her. I think the ushers aren't paying attention, Jenny. You're going to have to hold your hand up for a little bit. All right, here they come. Here they come. All right. So, how many of y'all are a, a, a cheerful giver? Anybody? Amen. Don't, don't, get, don't give grudgingly, right? Right? Don't be someone who gives grudgingly. That's no good. That's no good. Um, you know... You know, when you do things in obedience, sometimes, sometimes people do things because they feel like they have to. Whenever you do things in obedience, the state of your heart is exposed, right? So, so if you're a giver, but man, you're just like, oh, you know, it's just, it just grudgingly give, that's really exposing of your heart that needs dealt with a little bit, you know? It needs changed. We, we should be people who give cheerfully. And I'm not just talking about here in church, but just in life. That how you interact and, and, and how you, uh, uh, whether, whether it's time, energy, talent, uh, even if it is financial, that you're always willing to give because you have a cheerful heart. Yes. You, you do stuff that you're happy to do. Right? Yes. Stuff that you don't want to do, that, that's kind of like, yeah, you just never do it. Right. Even if you're supposed to, you end up, yeah, you always find a reason not to. No. But when you're happy or cheerful to do it, you don't just do it when you feel like you need to. You're looking for ways to do it, Amen. right? You, you go out of your way. And I'm not talking about money. I'm just talking about how you love people and care for people. It's, it's just an attitude of life, right? So be a cheerful giver when you come up. So when people bring their, their tithe and offering up, I like to see smiles. I don't like to feel like, you know, really, you know. And this is, I like to see smiles because it's cheerful giving, right? We, 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 should be, we should be a place... And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, about celebration, right? Our giving should be in celebration because of who God is. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray over it. Lord, we thank you. Uh, be able to come to your house on a Wednesday night, sort of middle of the week, and, and be with you and, and uh, worship you and, and spend time in, in your word in a moment. But we pray as we give tonight that, that we're, we're, we're cheerful in our giving. It's something that we're taught because it's an attitude of how we live life when we're not at church. And we pray that we are people who are cheerful in all that we do. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. bring it on down if you have something tonight. We appreciate your giving. Um, church-wide prayers, Monday from 6 to 7 at the new building. Yeah, so you guys were there last Monday. That was cool. And so we're going to continue to meet there. Um, coming up pretty soon, we're going to have this big schedule about moving all the junk, the stuff, our gear. So we'll let everybody know what's going on with that. So the week of the 22nd is, is our move week. So the first couple days we'll be moving stuff. The end of the week's moving sound and, and uh, media gear. So we'll let you know about that. So if you can help out, that'd be phenomenal. If not, that's okay, but 
we'll get it done. So um, having said that, there is a workday Saturday at the new building if you can come. Uh, I, when church is over, somebody reminds me, I'll kind of tell you what we're doing to see if that fits something that you want to be a part of. So uh, youth get together, 5th to 12th grade, March 21st, right after church for two or three hours. Uh, parents of young people, you can see me for details. Um, water baptism, never been water baptized. His name on sign-up sheet. We need to take care of that, that business, right? So, um, and, and we're going to do when we get over the new building. We're going to set a date. It'll be fun. I, I got an idea. It'll be a good time. So uh, sign up at the back for that. If you have questions, please see me. And other than that, I think that's all I got. So uh, real quick, just, just in a couple seconds, anybody have something good that God is up to in your life that you feel bold enough to share? People are calling other people out. Everybody's just like, don't, don't do that to me, you know. <laughs> Vin, Vinny's waving around, but we can do two if you want to. So come on, Vinny. No, you don't have to. We had been Thank you. Anybody else? Thumbs up or down? Okay, go ahead. Ooh, she's going to come down, so we're, we're going to do this. All right. Shoot, man. I just stand here. You, you're, you're welcome to do that. I'm rejoicing. It was a year ago that my brother passed away. But I had the honor and privilege of being able to make sure that he knew that he was going to heaven. Amen. Uh, just a few hours before he passed, but he passed about this time. Yeah. I spoke to him and I said, Dick, do you know you're getting ready to step over into heaven and see the face of God. And he said, yes, and I'm ready. Amen. He died about an hour and a half later. Wow. So I'm rejoicing. I know where he's at. You know where he's at. That's good stuff. Good. Good. Anybody else while we're at it here? Anybody? 
Did somebody, did you wave your hand, Lori? Oh, okay, I, I just thought you wanted, I thought you gave me the quick, like the, like we're at an auction, you just, you just, yeah, I'm in, you know. Oh, Jack's got one. Yeah, there you go. Amen. Good. It, anybody else? Are you walking up here, Tish? Oh, okay. All right. I, I didn't know you were coming down the aisle there for a second. Just wanted to make sure. Anybody else? All right, let's get our Bibles out. I won't preach as long then. That's good. So, John 15. Let's go there. If you guys would have kept going, I would have sat down. I'd have been happy with that. I'm, <laughs> I don't need it to be up here. All right, John 15, and we are—we're closing out the seven I Am's of the Book of John. We're finally here. Seven times, taking us two months. Uh, the seven I Am's, the uh, uh, self-revelation of Jesus. I am, and then there's revelation. Um, things that are to set in on you, and and none of them are. Uh, None of them are a complete picture. Is, is God not deep and he, isn't he not wide? You know, we need, we need more of a puzzle, a painting to see God than we do just a sentence. You can't capture God in a sentence, can you? And you can't capture God in, in a single statement or a single adjective or, or a description. I mean, it, it, he's much bigger than that. Well, God is love, everybody says, but God is also holy. Amen. Amen. God is also just. You can't, you can't get him in one spot, right? That's why it, when Moses uh, at the burning bush, he says, I am who I am. That's, that's just, I am self-sufficient. I am self-existent. I am all things. He's, he's just, you can't get him. So Jesus is giving us these I am statements, and you kind of got to eventually get a a picture of what he's given you. And even the seven I am statements don't cover all of it. But remember, he said, and, and where we've been, he said, I am the bread of life. In other words, he is all sufficiency. He's our sustainer. He says, I'm the light of the world. He is the gate for the sheep. In other words, the way of salvation. He is uh, uh, the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the good shepherd. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So these are different descriptions of self-revelation of who Jesus is. So uh, number seven, uh, we're going to finish out, seven I am statements. You know, there's seven signs in the book of John, too. John wrote purposely seven, the number of completion, right? Um, so there's seven I am statements, seven signs. The, the very first sign of Jesus, uh, the first miracle, if you want to call them miracles, they're, they're uh, signposts that point to the kingdom. That's what the signs are. The first uh, sign in John, and we preached on it, was the wedding at Canaan, the water and the wine. The last sign of John was, uh, that he wrote about was the resurrection of Lazarus, pointing towards the resurrection to come. So John is purposeful in how he writes. So John chapter 15, and verse number 1, and, and, and right into the I am statement. And this is Jesus talking. I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Now, that word true right there means I'm the deal, right? And it's actually a contrast to uh, uh, Old Testament, Old Covenant system. I, I am the complete. I am the greater than. I finish what the foreshadow started. So Jesus is the true 
way God is, is, is supplying life to us. And of course, you know what a vine is, right? You've all seen a vine before. So, so it is something that grows, and it just grows and grows and grows and grows, and then there's offshoots of it in some way. So Jesus proclaims himself to be the vine. So the old system in a certain way, the old covenant, is judged in the sense that now Jesus is the fulfillment. He is the true vine. And anything else that you consider a source of life isn't quite as true as Jesus. Right? He is the absolute when it comes to life. So I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser, or the one who takes care of the vine. So, in other words, uh, Jesus is the vine, and God is the gardener. Isn't isn't it uh, uh, very apropos to call God the gardener? In the beginning, God created. And then God made the garden of what? Eden, and he put man there to dwell. So God is creator. He's the cultivator of his creation. And the most incredible thing about God is he can take things that were dead and bring them back to life. Now, I don't know about you. I put a garden in at my house every summer that my wife wants. (laughs) And every year she talks about how we're going to do this garden together. And you know how that goes. So she actually will help me plant it. And I think it's the last time she ever goes out. It it may be. She's not here to defend herself, so I'm just going to go with this. So... I, she may come out to pull some stuff now and then, but who's out there weeding the garden? Who's out there pulling them stupid green worms off the tomato plants? You know, who? that's me. She's not taking care of it. It's me. I am the gardener, right? But here's what I know. Like, there, there are some years, it just doesn't go that great. Some years, the garden's just like, wow. It's like, holy smokes. You know, this is incredible. We can open up a Kroger right in my backyard. And there's other years, like, the whole thing's just dying. And no matter what I do, I water it, it's just not happening. I'm not like God because when that plant is dead, I can't bring it back to life. It's done. I just pull it out and throw it in the, in the, in the fire pit and I light it on fire. You know, it's part of my kindling. But see, God, as, as the gardener, the creator, the great thing about it is he takes what is dead and he can bring it back to life. That's so incredible. So God is... The gardener. So goes on to say, in every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So that, that's kind of a uh, that's kind of a pretty straight out statement there. If you claim to be attached to the vine, but you bear no fruit, eventually. You get cut off. Right? But those that start to bear fruit, God, you ever prune prune a tree or something? I don't. But I I know what you're talking about. So so you you prune it back so it allows allows it to, to, to focus its energy on what is there and that will cause it to grow more than if you had left it alone. That's theory, right? Am I correct in saying that? Okay, thank you. So I was just sort of guessing right there. But anyhow, so, but God will prune it. In other words, God brings discipline. He brings correction. He brings direction. He tries to give wisdom. He will do things in your life to continue to grow fruit. And if there's one analogy you find in Scripture a lot, is that is about bearing fruit. We as believers are to produce something. 
right? You don't get saved and stay the same, do you? You don't follow Jesus and stay the same. You don't call yourself a disciple and stay the same. When you are really connected to the vine of life, it produces something in you, and that's this whole abundant life that we're talking about. And it's a trade-out. What is dead is brought into abundance, but it's something that's produced. So how many of you, since you've met Jesus, you have grown? We use that analogy, you grow. Why? It's a plant thing. You grow. How many of you, uh, you're producing more fruit than you did when you first got saved? How, how many of you, let's say, the fruit of, of, of joy, of the fruit of the Spirit, joy? How many of you are more joyful now than you used to be? Because did you see progress. We grow. So God is intending for us to grow. Thank goodness. But if you don't grow and produce fruit, eventually you get cut from the vine. Right? So there is a response from our life for the fact that we're connected to true life. Right? And, and, if, and if you are not, you put it this way, if you are not purposeful in engaging God in such a way that you're producing fruit, you're stagnant. And if you're stagnant, you're in danger of being cut from the vine. Right? Amen. So we got to think about it this way. Now, I don't think God is, I don't think God's just, just he's, not like, he's not like all happy about this. He's just not running out of thing going, oh, snip, 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 and just, no, no, no. It's not like he's just excited to snip you off, but there is a way that we follow Jesus that will produce fruit. And some of it comes uh, slower, some of it comes uh, maybe quick, but, but there is this way of living, right? And we're called to it. So God is the, is the vine dresser. He prunes, he cuts off. Verse 3. And already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So now we know that. The Christian life that we're called to live, we certainly cannot do it without Jesus. You cannot do this on your own, and that's part of the wonderful thing about dependence. You're not saved to independence. You're saved to dependence, right? You're not saved to do it on your own. You're saved to do it because of him and only because of him. But it says there abide in him. So watch this. When you don't bear fruit, God eventually could cut you if he wants to. But also, about a, you can cut yourself off. Can you not? says, abide in me. In other words, stay connected to me. That's Jesus. You know, that verse, uh, 1 John 2, 6. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as he did. Right? So if you claim to live in him, there is, again, this life of walking as he did. That word, uh, uh, whoever claims to live in him, can also carry the connotation uh, to remain in him. If you want to remain in Jesus, we got to walk as he did. Abide in him. Again, it is a purposeful life of decisions to every day pick up your cross and follow Jesus. So what does it mean to abide in him? Follow him. Commit yourself. 
purposeful, conscious decisions to live a life connected to the body. How are you connected to the body? Well, how many are saved? You're connected. So be in the process of bearing fruit, you're good. In other words, this is growth. It's not, it's not a test. It's not like God comes out with a, with, with, with a ruler. Well, guess what? Your fruit of this isn't big enough. There you go. I mean, when there is progress, you're connected to the vine. But you can't be connected to true life without seeing some result. Right? But remaining him is, is, is you're saved, you're there, but, but how do you do it? You've got to consciously, purposely live life with him. So what do you do? What, what do you do that shows that you need God? You pray. Right? Yeah. You, 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 when you have time. Again, these aren't spiritual checklists. If you don't get to it, you're not saved. But, but we have a Bible for a reason. Right? We're able to worship. That There's reason behind that. Every time you worship, you're saying this. You are God and I'm not. Every time you worship, you put yourself in the proper place in creation. You know that? You worship something. So, so we do things to abide in him. What has he given us to be able to do that? Then we live in those things. So we are to make sure that we're abiding and staying connected to the true vine. Verse number five, I am the vine and you are the branches. And whoever abides in me and I in him he is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Wow, that's a big statement right there. That's mouthful. Now, again, the, Jesus... We got to be careful. I think we were talking about this Sunday. Yeah, we're talking about holding this Sunday. So, yeah, we're talking about this Sunday. We can't sugarcoat what Jesus says. Amen. When you sugarcoat what he says, you end up getting something he didn't intend for you to have. Right? So, so it's kind of like this. Uh, I was talking about Brussels sprouts one time. You guys remember that a long time ago? So, I'm not a fan. But it's kind of like this. If my wife really wants me to eat Brussels sprouts, that she puts so much cheese over it, you don't even have Brussels sprouts in there, what's the point? You know what I'm saying? It's just all this cheese and there's this Brussels sprout. You got your Brussels sprout. No, I just ate a big thing of cheese. You know, you know what I'm getting at? We can't do that to Scripture. So you can't look at this and say, okay, look, let's read this again. Uh, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Don't put cheese on it. It says what it says. We've got to abide in him. The Bible's not cheesy. There you go. All right, so <laughs> abide in him because there's consequence for not. Don't sugarcoat it to the place that there's no consequence. Right? Or, or what's the point, right? So we must make sure that we're abiding in him. But, but it goes on to say then, then those that are abiding in him, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, be people of prayer. Yes. Amen. Ask for what you wish. 
Now, let's take a time out here for a second. God is not the great genie of the sky. You don't find the magic lamp, rub it three times, and he pops out, and you get three wishes. Notice what it says. His words abide in you. And his words are abiding in you, then whatever you ask for will actually be according to his will because his words abide in you. And what you ask for will be guided by his words and his will. Then he can give you what you wish for because it's abiding by his words and his will. It's not just the great genie of the sky, you know, well, you know, I want, and then if it doesn't happen, well, see, he didn't give me what I asked for. Bible's not true. Prayer doesn't work, you know, and all these different things that, that happen to people. Uh, and I know a young man, uh, uh, when I was a youth pastor, he prayed for something, and it, and it was an, an athletic achievement, that he was good, but he wasn't that good, if you know what I'm saying. And it would have taken absolute positive, everybody else pulling their hamstring, whatever, to achieve it. And when it didn't happen, he sort of got mad at God. Well, I asked for it and said, whatever I wish for, I can ask for it. He'll give it to me. Remember, we ask according to the word growing in us so it goes according to his word and his will. And it will be within the context of his word and his will, right? It does not mean that you can't ever take things to God and, you know, hey, and, and pray. We, we ask, Right? But, but remember, there's a context to when we see verses like this. Because you can ask for anything. If you, your imagination, you know, you can ask for whatever, and if it doesn't show up tomorrow morning, then you're mad at God. It doesn't work that way. You, you see what I'm getting at? Okay, so ask and he'll give it to you. Uh, let's see, verse, uh, verse 8. By this... My Father is glorified. What, what glorifies God? That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So how does somebody know you're a disciple? You're bearing fruit. Right? I heard, I heard a statement, this, this old, old uh, church father, his name's Irenaeus. He said, the glory of God is man fully alive. He's going off right there. The, one of the glories of God is a man fully alive, abundance, fully alive, bearing much fruit, the abundant life, freed from sin. Part of the glory of God is his creation being fully alive in the life that he intended. And we find that by being connected to the vine. And because we're connected to the vine, we abide in the vine, we stay connected to the vine. Because of that, we will bear fruit. And the fruit that comes forth is the fruit of the kingdom that glorifies God. Amen. By this, people will know you're his disciple. They don't know you're his disciple because you're perfect. They know you're his disciple because you're bearing fruit. Amen. Right? And there's a difference between that, by the way. Thank goodness we don't have to be perfect. Because we would all, including right here, be disqualified. But we're in a life of bearing fruit. In other words, it's changing. It's growing. Right? And people see that, and they see what? A reflection. See, the fruit that comes from you is a direct result 
of the character of the vine. So an orange tree grows oranges, right? An apple tree grows, so, right? So the fruit that's coming forth from you because you're connected to the vine is a reflection of the character of the vine. You know a tree by its fruit. So the fruit that's coming forth is a reflection of Jesus growing through you, the kingdom growing in you, right? And it's by that fruit that you know you're his disciples because that fruit is a reflection of Jesus. So they know you're a follower of Jesus because all of a sudden change is happening that's a reflection of him in you. And they see it, right? So all of a sudden, instead of this, this explosion, there's patience, self-control. You see what I'm saying? Where, where there used to be hate, now there, there's love. Right? You can think all the way, in, in, instead of harshness, there's, there's gentleness. These are reflections, there's fruit that's growing that's reflective of the vine. Why? Because Jesus is patient and gentle and in self-control. So we reflect him so they know we're his disciples because of the fruit that we grow, and the fruit that we grow is, well, that's Jesus. So we must abide in him because he is the true vine. And the life that the true vine brings is the life you're supposed to have. Amen. It is the absolute life. It's the abundant life. Amen. All right. Go on here. We're almost done. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love, and we should do that. Stay in God's love. Recognize it, live in it, and, and, and live in what his love affords for you. Verse 10, if you keep my commandments, now, now this is part of, of abiding in the vine. You will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And these things I have spoken to you, that... My joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full, or that your joy may be complete. One of the ways we stay connected to the vine is by obeying his commands. Again, we can't sugarcoat that statement. We follow what he has said. Right? And in that, you now watch this. Does God love everyone? Does he love those that don't obey his commands? Do they experience the full extent of his love? No. You know what I'm saying? Because it's those who follow and obey walk in the full extent of his love. He wants everybody there. He loves everybody, but not everybody gets there based on their choices. So to abide in his love fully... Obey his commands. And his commands, his commands, again, these are, these are, again, we were talking about this in holiness on Sunday. This is not, this is not stuff that, that takes the joy out of life, but they're things that take you to abundant life. Because notice he says then that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be complete. That one of the most great, greatest things you can have in this life is the completeness of joy because you're connected to the vine. Everybody needs joy. Joy is not a feeling, but it's an essence of being. 
Joy is not necessarily happiness, but it is a way that we live. And our joy is complete only. See, we, we, we search a lot of stuff to try to make us happy, right? We chase and chase and chase and push buttons and pull strings. We do all sorts of stuff to try to be happy. But joy is only found, and joy is greater than happiness. Amen. It's not love, happiness, peace, peace. It's love, joy. Because joy isn't always a feeling. Joy is an essence of being. Joy can be a feeling, but it's more of a way of life. And joy is complete in you only when you're connected to the vine. Stay there. Abide in him. Allow the fruit of being connected to him grow in your life. People see that as a reflection of who you are. That's a disciple of Jesus. There's something there about it. This is about a holy nation, a royal priesthood. We're set apart. We're called, right? There's something that's happening. In the midst of a messed up world, we can be like Jesus. And he's grown us to be that. But stay connected because, again, as he said, I am the true vine. He is the absolute source of true life. Amen. Amen. So let's grow. I hope, I hope you are never satisfied. Now, we should be content in all things. But I hope you're never satisfied with where you're at right here. That we always know, we, as Paul said, I haven't attained this yet. But I press on, right? I press on to this goal I'm after, to reach this goal. I'm being called heavenward in Christ Jesus, right? I forget what's behind. I strain towards what's ahead. Why? Because I know, I can see, I can look back in a lot of ways. I can see what Jesus has been doing. But it also opens up the front of me saying, but what else can he do? I see the things that have changed in me, but I also realize the things that still need change. So I need, I need to keep pressing on. I understand I've come, I've come from somewhere, but I have not attained it. I'm not perfect. I haven't got there yet. If I was, I'd, I'd just be taken out of here. So I'm still here. So I'm still working, right? He's taken me somewhere, and he will stay connected to the vine. That's true life. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for, for simply allowing us to be connected to you. In salvation, you engrafted us in. You've adopted us as sons and daughters. You've given us life. You, you, life. You've made us heir to, to all of your promises. I pray we are people that bear much fruit. And the, the growing process, the seasons of it, it's not always easy, but because of you and only because of you, we can bear the fruit that mark us as your disciples. We thank you for that. I want to be known, if, if nothing else, there's a lot of different titles, Lord, I guess I could have in my life, but bottom line, rubber meets the road. I just want to be known as, as a follower of Jesus. Because ultimately, that's the most important thing. And I thank you for your patience with me and your, and, and your, your never-ending, unconditional forgiveness. I thank you for your, your empowerment, your strength, wisdom. I thank you for, for 
even discipline at times of pruning, even though those aren't always easy, it's for the, uh, the ability to grow more. Lord, that we are people that embrace what it means to follow you all the days of our life. So we thank you for true life. We thank you for you. And we worship you tonight. In Jesus' name, we all say. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for coming tonight. We'll be back Sunday morning. And let's, let's worship together once again. <laughs>